Welcome to Just Relax Podcast, a podcast where we take that advice seriously and sometimes we deal with technical difficulties like random Wi-Fi glitches that make it sound kind of weird, but hopefully I got most of them out. But if you hear them, we're sorry. We're working on this issue and hopefully you still enjoy this episode. Okay, here we go. Just relax. Namaste, Rach. Hello. Girl. Mercury is in retrograde. It is officially in retrograde. It has been for like a good two weeks now. And I tell you, like, everybody's feeling it. Everybody. And it's dark all the time now because of time change. So... Yeah. This is garbage. Life is <laughs> garbage. But my nails look good. Hey, you know what? Self-care. You gotta you gotta have something. That's why I'm really like wanting to get my hair done because like just those little boosters will go a long way right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm aging rapidly. I just like don't eat well. Like it's dark all the time. I don't know what year it is. I don't know what my name is. Like I don't know if these are retrograde symptoms or just like something else right it is just it's crazy how stressful this time of year gets because of all of those things it's like end of the year a lot of businesses have like extra work to do for like all the different reasons and then it's yeah like you said it's dark all the time which fucks everyone up for some reason although we've been doing this for lord knows how long humans have not yet gotten the hang of it and like i don't know about denver but like toronto area is covered in snow really already We've got like over a foot of like packy. It's been a snowstorm for days at this point. Like, I'm, I'm talking like all of Southern Ontario. Like, it is just, it is just full blown winter. So I don't mean to brag, but I need to take the small wins right now. Um, so it was pretty snowy at the end of October. It lasted like two days. The weather is averaging sunshine and 15 degrees Celsius every day. That's how November should be. Right. It's it was pretty like, magical. Negative 16 yesterday, when I don't even know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's cold. I will say that all of this snow has helped because I decorate early for Christmas anyways. Nobody can stop me. And usually it feels like, as much as I love it, it does feel a little bit weird to have like your entire house decorated for Christmas and then to go outside to like 15 degrees. But having it be beautiful and like there's nothing prettier, I think, personally, than sitting in your living room or wherever your Christmas tree is at night, the only lights on your Christmas tree and the Christmas tree is in front of a window and the window, like just behind the Christmas tree, all you see is falling snow. And it's like slightly frosted around the edges. Yes. Oh, and honestly, I've gotten that all week and I can't be mad about it. Like, I just love it. The only thing that'll be super stupid is if all of this melts and then we end up getting weirdly warm temperatures for December. And then I'm like, okay, dumb, but I don't think that's supposed to happen. What's like stressing you out this week? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a mess. I'm a mess, not a hot mess, because I'm just not taking care of myself. So I'm not hot right now. Like my life is in shambles. I feel like we all feel this right now. Like I'm just going through a, a rough patch. A patch where I'm not doing the things I love to do. I'm totally invested into work right now, and um, I just feel a lot of pressure and. 
a lot of my pressure, as I've said before, is self-inflicted. I do this to myself. Um, I wear myself very thin and then I usually end up getting sick and then like having an existential crisis where I'm like, why am I doing this? And then I like get back on track. That's not really happening this time. I'm just like really coasting hardcore. I don't feel joy. <laughs> I don't have any outlet. Yeah, I don't so it's very unhealthy. <laughs> I don't feel joy. Usually I feel some level of like happiness in the day. So something that I do that's kind of like my staple. So like I, it's a marker to myself that I'm like, having a good routine so yeah in the morning I like to check on American Poetry Foundation for the poem of the day and then I read it like out loud like as I'm like my tea is steeping and then I'll like hold it and like think about the poem and just like reflect on it and like read a couple more poems and then maybe try and write one and then I get ready and that to me is like so key and when I'm living my best life like that's how I start my day so I try, I'm trying to force that right now to be like, no, 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 you're not in shambles. Like you're doing the things you love, but then I end up like, you know, getting frustrated and like stressed and it's not enjoyable. Yeah. So what can I pinpoint my stress on? My own pressure to fulfill unrealistic expectations. Surprise. How am I dealing with that? Doing absolutely nothing and hating myself for it. You're the most relatable person right now. <laughs> this is not proactive. Like, I don't have answers for you guys. I know I do this. It's recognizing. It's accepting that there's a problem, which is what I'm doing through journaling. So we'll get to that. I'm accepting the problem. Do I have solutions for it yet? No. No, I don't. And that's okay. Is it okay? Maybe not. I'm falling apart. Anyway, what's stressing you out? <laughs> well, I guess to talk about like our topic, which is the job hunt. I got one. Yay, you did it, you did it. I beat the, no, whatever. Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> um, and then it was one of those things where it's like, oh, I had like multiple offers because I did like a bunch of interviews in a row. And then it was like, the stress was, and this is all within like a week. And the stress was like, oh, what one do I choose? Okay. I'm sorry, but that always happens. It always happens. Like you want a job so bad, you apply to so many, you interview for so many, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then all of a sudden it's, you're always choosing between two. I find that's always been the case for me. And yeah. it's like, it adds to another stress. Cause you're like, I guess this is a good problem to have, but now there's so much pressure. Cause like my like next, you know, couple years or months or whatever of your life will be painted by that choice. So there's different pressures and stresses with that. Sorry. So then I decided on one. I'm super happy with the decision because like my supervisor has been incredible because of course, as soon as I was like, woo, winning the world, got a job, chose one, blah, blah, blah. A bunch of like health issues hit me. And now I've like, my life has been halted in both of my jobs now because I have two. And it's just kind of like, stressful waiting for like the next steps mm. even though like I kind of know the end result which is I'm gonna be fine but it's just like there are so many like hoops to jump through in order to like get paperwork to provide to job places to say like you're fit to work again and like blah blah blah, blah. and like it's one of those things where it's like my new job I was scheduled to like work on the one day and then I couldn't start that day because I didn't have like this paperwork in so then I was getting that paperwork and then 
like I was starting based on that paperwork coming back clear and it didn't. And now it's like, I'm still not starting. And I'm like, oh, why hasn't this person just been like, never mind? Like, I take it back. They want you. They they value, they're already excited to have you join the team. Yeah. So they they're invested. They added me to like the WhatsApp group and we're talking about the Christmas party and I haven't even worked there yet. So. Oh my gosh. I'm so jealous. It sounds perfect. It's pretty cute. Um, I'm happy. So alternately, there was an episode with my dog. And yes, I talk about these often. I've talked about, what other episodes have I talked to it? I've talked oh, about like. I don't think you mentioned the one, but you spilled the, the soup Oh yeah, on. I didn't even talk about spilling soup on him. Oh my God. Okay, so <laughs> about. This, this is absurd. This He's dog? Just always on the ground, like, like literally situations like Always this. around me. So all these things happen to him. Um, purely out of accident, people don't go calling anybody. Um, but it's like about a month ago, almost a, a month ago, ex- almost exactly. He was in the kitchen while my partner was making soup. And as my partner took the hot pot of soup off of the stove and turned so that he could ladle it into said bowl, he tripped on the dog who was right there by his foot, as he always is. And the soup went everywhere. Like, I'm talking, like, when you think of a kitchen covered in soup, it's not just... That's like on what the it was. <laughs> it's on, like, the Picture. backsplash and the counters and the towels and the walls and everywhere, including the dog. So the dog got hit with some hot soup proceeded to yelp and run around and like he was in shock it's hot it's like hot soup so he kind of like went to the bathroom <laughs> like which is whatever and my partner's freaking out I wasn't home also this is all being related to me by my partner oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I was on the way home from picking my friend up at the airport fun fact so he like threw Harry in the shower like hosed him down tried to get the like Campbell's chunky chicken noodle soup off of him <laughs> But then, I'm sorry, and like, I'm laughing. It sounds like no, like I still like don't really register how serious it was because like I wasn't there. I didn't hear the like screaming yelps of pain that like is now seared into my partner's mind, and he's still like pretty upset about it. Um, even though it was a complete accident, and like Harry is still all around your feet in the kitchen, so he obviously hasn't learned like whatever, buddy. Um, but it's like I literally got home 20 minutes after this happened. Like my partner was still like cleaning soup up in the kitchen, and. Harry was fine. Like, when I got home, he acted the exact same as he always acts. Like, I, he was, whatever. But this has resulted in, like, shaving of patches of fur so that skin could heal. And then mad scabbing. And one of them is, like, on his face, like, right over his eye. Aww. And I was, like, looking at it the other day. I was like, I wonder if the fur is going to grow back. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a month ago. That was a, see, but I didn't relay that as a stress because it didn't stress me out. Because I wasn't there. I was like, oh, right. took him to the vet, got some ointment, got him some antibiotics, whatever. So yesterday, there was a new situation with this dog. So I was trying to give an ibuprofen to my partner who had a headache. He didn't take it. So I like put it on. I had two of them. I put them on the dresser, whatever. Came back, didn't see them. Oh, you took them? Yeah, I took it. Somehow, I, I, I it ended up coming out that he had said like he took it or whatever, which was singular, where I clearly had placed more than one on the desk. And I was like, well, didn't, how many did you take? He's like, I took one. 
I was like, but I put two there. He's like, well, there was only one. So I took one. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then later on, found like this empty shell of a gel cap, like gel tab, like on the floor and realized that I had heard my dog chewing on something at some point. And I'm like, oh my God, my dog has eaten ibuprofen, extra strength ibuprofen. And originally I didn't think anything of it because like people talk about giving their pets over the counter stuff all the time. Um, but then I was like, I'll just Google it. Because, of course, my partner was like, can he even have that? And I was like, so I type in, like, my dog ingested ibuprofen. And uh, every single thing that comes up is ibuprofen is toxic to dogs. Because there's, like, these chemicals in it that basically shut down their, like, organ functions. And they die within, like, three days. And I was like, cool. What? Cool, 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 cool. Cool. Yeah, it's not even, like, little things. Like, your dog will fully die if it has too much ibuprofen. And I'm sitting there being like, my dog literally, like, ate one. One. Like, can this kill him? And you can't find specifics online. So I call, and this is like 11 p.m. So I call like whatever emergency vet is like open that night. And I'm like asking them and they're like, oh, we don't know. So like, because it's such specific amounts of like medication versus body weight and like timing and blah, blah, blah. Like you have to call the like animal poison control center, which by the way is American. And you have to pay $75 American to get a consultation. And this is only to ask them if it's serious enough to take them into the vet, because if I do, that'll be more money at the vet. In which time I am laying in my bed holding my dog who is acting completely normal and just sleeping like a normal dog. You're and like, I'm you're crying. Gonna die. You're gonna die. Literally just thinking about him dying. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I ended up talking to somebody and after like some time of figuring out exactly like how much dosage and like what brand and what kind of dog and how old and other issues and how much he weighs and blah, blah, blah. And like all these like medical calculations. Turns out he did not ingest enough to create any serious damage. He will just like vomit a little bit for like a day, which he did. And it was fine after that. So that was my stress this week. I'm currently in limbo with my jobs, waiting to get medical confirmation that I can go back to work. Which is in and of itself stressful because, like I said, I woke up today and I was just like, there are, like, I have no obligations. And it's nice, though, because you have the jobs, you know, they're lined up for you. It's just like a waiting game. So I feel like there's less pressure in those days off. Now that we know that we're both inordinately stressed, let's talk about another thing that stresses people out, which is job hunting. I have not received submissions, which is fine, but... I'm calling out to everybody to write into the future. Um, so as an alternative, I've looked up online on Reddit where people have posted their experience. And I think that's useful as well. Um, it's funny because when I was like Googling it, I, I typed in job hunting. And the word that was like autofilled at the end was depression. Like a serious thing about, you know, dealing with. So this is the header for this one. Tips for dealing with job search fatigue slash depression. And I just think it's so real because when I was reading this, I'm like, yes, we've all felt this. Like, so this person, their, um, you know, username on Reddit is Allosaurus. I'm assuming their name is Allie and they like dinosaurs. Allosaurus. They say, I've been looking for a new job for eight months now and I've had a few close calls after successful interviews, but so far no offers to show for it. I've dealt with length job searches a few times before in my career. I feel like I'm very stuck in my current position, like I've pigeonholed myself. I'm just getting to the point where I feel very defeated today after another rejection where I felt the interview went very well and there were other qualified candidates. What do you find helpful to keep you going? And I thought this was very real because it's like, it is that you go through the motions and it's like, sometimes you just, you want to get an interview 
because you feel like then you move forward and then like they're at least reading your applications. But then you get to a point where it's like, okay, I've had these interviews and I kicked ass. Like it was a really good interview. I've gotten the response before that was just like, someone came in with five years experience and like, how can you compete when you're just out of school? And it's like, okay, you know, I have nothing to say to that. I thought I killed the interview and it, you might have, but it's like, it's, it's just very defeating because it takes so much energy to like perform well in an interview. So some things people have said in response to this or wrote a very interesting response. Their username is narcoleptic pyro. So they're an interesting person for sure. I found Albert Camus's philosophy of absurdism to be useful. The pursuit of a goal can be fulfilling in itself. Learn to enjoy the struggle and grow from it. If you need to take a break or a vacation from the pursuit to recharge, then that is just the opposite side of the same coin. I like this response the first half and talking about absurdism. I feel like I want to look into that because it's like, I like that. The idea of like, maybe you can stop making this like so personal and such like a personal reaction to like, oh shoot, I'm applying for jobs and it's not going where I want it to go. But what if it's just like part of this journey and like, it doesn't have to be such a big deal. That's kind of like my new process of this, but it's very different when you're actually like going through it and investing the time, energy, money, effort, everything, emotion into it. So I'm just questioning the pronunciation of his name. Albert Camus's? I want to say his name is Camus. I'm pretty sure he's French. Cause like this is a book by him that I have oh, in university because yeah, I studied him. That's how it's spelled. So I just read it wrong. Albert Camus. Sorry. But then maybe I'm I'm just like trying to remember. He won a Nobel Prize for literature. He's a very oh. smart man, and this is a very good book. It's called The Outsider. It's like sad. You know those like pieces of literature that are just like so real that they're sad. Oh Anyways. my gosh! I just opened the Wikipedia page and I need to read this like brief summary of his philosophy the absurd his philosophy called the absurd refers in his philosophy called the absurd the absurd refers to the conflict between the human tendency to seek inherent value and meaning in life human inability to find any in a meaningless or chaotic and irrational universe oh my gosh we try and put so much value on everything and make everything such a big deal when at the end of the day does anything even have meaning and I feel like that's the point I'm getting to, which is like not good. I feel like that's kind of a scary alternate to the same coin. It's like you either care so much and you're so passionate and driven and like, you know, you care so deeply. And then all of a sudden it flips and you just don't care at all. None of yep. it matters. Like, is there an in-between? Can we live somewhere in the middle? <laughs> no. So the last uh, piece of this Reddit thread that I wanted to point out that I thought was some useful advice was from... Sociopath IX, so I guess it's pronounced sociopathics. Ah, yes. Sociopathics. Quite, Quite yes. Uh, uh, they said that their advice is to take breaks, like do two a day um, every couple of days, so that it's not like you're just sitting down being like, I need to find a job right now. And then just like, look, if there's something you like, apply for it. If there's another thing you like, apply for it. If there's nothing, give it a couple of days. Like all these things are cyclical and ever changing. So you don't have to feel like it's all like the weight of your future career is like pressing on one day. So part of what they said in this response here is, so if you apply a day or two after the posting becomes available, you're really not losing anything. If they post it and get super duper best candidate in the world the first or second day, you probably didn't have much of a chance to begin with. So move on. So they're just saying like, you don't need to catch the job the moment it comes posted either. Like, you yeah. can wait. It's not going anywhere. They're going to get a pool of candidates before they 
go through interviews probably. They're not going to just pick someone and hire them. And if they are, then they probably were going to hire them already before they even post the job online. So I thought that was pretty helpful. I like that. I like that very much. too. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty much how I went about applying. Every few days. Or like a few every day, like two a day if. And, like, I would kind of create, like, a list of the ones that I liked and, like, whatever. What do you got? What do you got? So I have somebody who sent us a DM on Instagram. Nice. Love those it DMs. Says, right. Fun info. Yeah. Um, and she says, I have feelings about job hunting. I have a very stable, high-paying job, but I had to move to another country to have such a job. I would not have the job or salary I have if I stayed in Canada. And now, with the plan to move back, quote, because of circumstances out of my control, end quote, I'm stressed about the jobs that are available to me back home. Once I move back, it is more than likely that my yearly income is going to go down and my cost of living is going to go up. This thought stresses me out daily, even though I'm not moving home for over a year. I know the Canadian economy sucks. I know my skill set doesn't leave me too many choices for jobs. And I know it's going to take me months to find one. And because of all of this, I'm stressed out about saving as much money as I can now so that I have some security while I search for a job in Canada. Mm, That sucks. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, that's the thing, too. It's like, I feel that as well, because it's like, oh, cool. So I have money and income now and a stable job. But it's like you always have that in the back of your mind. It's like, well, will it always be this way? How much should I be saving in case it's not this way? It's like, it's like there's always the stress and it doesn't go away because you're always thinking ahead a little bit. Like it's hard not to. So I feel for that person for sure. And then I have an email that we received seven days ago. Nice. Okay. And he writes, loved your last podcast, which I believe would have been our Halloween episode. Nice. As I celebrated a milestone birthday in 2019, I decided to start journaling. So this is him talking about our past, but it will get to our whatever. Oh, I see. I actually have two. One from day-to-day life and one that I take on all the trips slash vacations. The trip journal is a record of what we do each day and what the experiences were like. It also contains leftover currency, ticket stubs, etc. Oh, sounds like like a bit of a scrapbook. yeah, Yeah, like puts things in the journal. The day-to-day life journal is entered into every few days. I'm still finding my style with this one. It's been pretty fact-based so far, but I'm trying to be disciplined and to enjoy it. I also have over 30 years of notebooks and calendars at work. Every phone call, meeting, etc., is in there, probably, for 20 to 30 years. As for job hunting, I haven't really applied for a job in 25 years, but I have hired lots of people and read lots of resumes. Sounds like one of our older listeners. Wouldn't that be awesome to just, like not apply for a job for like 25 years it's so interesting (laughs) because like talking about like I'm already I'm not 30 yet and already on what I like my second kind of like not career necessarily but like my second um entire area of job you know what I mean and it's like I originally went through school as a teacher and worked in that capacity for five years And then I was like, this isn't for me. I want to hone my skills and like narrow in on what I want. And now I'm in like the social justice area more. We're still working with youth. And I've already started talking about my third career. Event planning. In event planning. And it's interesting because our society has changed so much where it used to be like you 
literally like nobody cared about happiness at a job. It was like you had a job to make money to pay for your life because you were expected usually from like gender norm standards of either like rearing the home or like bringing home the bacon. So it's like you have certain things that you're working towards, you get into that groove and then yeah, you have a job for like 40, 50 years. What? Could you imagine being at the exact same job, exact same company? 40 years? 40 years. Okay, so for my current company, um, we do like anniversary cards to say like, oh, thank you for spending this many years with the company. No one has been past 12 years. And that's like a long time these days. And I just think, I mean, it's a younger company, but I also think like that's going to be more and more common where it's just like, you don't, even if you're really comfortable and you feel like you own your domain and you're like really successful and you're happy and you're satisfied and fulfilled, I don't feel like that's enough for a lot of people these days. Like, you know, people will move along and be more transient. So now I feel like people in my generation are a lot more like, oh, I've been here three years. Like I'm ready to move on. Like three years is like- 100%, yeah. A long ass time to spend with one job. And typically it'll be like, okay, like, I've hit the year mark. Like, am I moving up with this company or am I moving out? Like, is there, am I moving, making a lateral move to try and make more money or am I just going to like keep going? And I also want to speak to this work-life balance because I feel like that whole type of job where you're sitting there for like decades and decades and you're just like working hard and you're making money for your family, whatever, it only works if you have work-life balance and the company understands that like you go home at like 5 p.m. or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't see that happening these days either. People nope. work crazy hours. They're expended to like the absolute max. Is that the right word? Expended? Sure. Or just like, you know, stretched out until their yep. limits. Like, so you're operating at this level that is so extreme for a couple years. And then you can either get burnt out or try and see if there's something that fits your lifestyle better that's out there. Like, it's just a totally different world. I say that, but I also like just left a job eight months ago where I had the opportunity to just sit there and work there for 25 years or 30 years or 40 years or 50 years. I had that kind of job. It was a government job, very stable. And I could have had that lifestyle and I gave it up. So it's like, even when you have that, I don't think it satisfies our generation anymore. It doesn't satisfy what people want because they're looking for something that has meaning to them. You know, if you're going to spend 40 hours a week minimum on something, it better be something you care about, something that like actually like makes you a better person. And I think that's something else people bring into their to, into the forefront when they're looking for jobs these days too. Yep. Oh my goodness. But then again, do I miss the idea of just you know being comfortable and going to work, doing my time, going home, having a life? Yeah, there's something like really romantic and nostalgic about that. And I think you know as we move further and further away from that, I think that will be something that like is the idealistic like you know, we'll think of the early 2000s and like, you know, even the 80s or whatever, where people just like had their job, worked at one company, hopefully, you know, made one or two, had one or two promotions throughout their careers. They ended up like, you know, they started at like the data analyst and then were like the data manager, whatever. So you got, you made those moves, but like, besides that, you do what you do, you know, the people who are around you, and that's it. Another downside to that, though, is like the personalities of that office. You just have to like deal with forever or wait until they retire. Like what? Yep. <laughs> like what? That's crazy. Because I feel like you you spend so much time with those people. So like, oh, my <laughs> goodness. At the same time, 
I can't remember who she was. So my father has worked in his job for, I think the same, um, I think he started that job like just a year before I was born. So it would have been 20, I think he's going, I think it's 29 years now. Anyways, whomever this woman was to him professionally, his secretary, his assistant, whoever she was, she became very close with my family. Mm-hmm. And then she, like her and my dad worked together forever. And then her and her husband, they moved out west to Calgary so mm-hmm. that she could pursue like the same job just in a different like area. I don't I don't know all of the details why they moved out west. But like my parents go visit them and like they visit here. And it's like they have this wonderful relationship because of working together for so long and for having such a great like professional relationship that it could extend into a personal relationship. Right. Yeah. And so like that's cool too. That's nice. I think that's nice and, like, definitely can that's happen. nice. Yeah. A lot of people do have, like, their close friends are their coworkers because those are the people you spend all your time with. All right. I want to throw it back to an episode, to our Halloween episode, actually, which we've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. And our topic last month, which was death positivity, mm-hmm. because there was another um, DM that we got on Instagram that I read and responded to and just didn't even do anything with, like, an absolute twit so <laughs> i'm going to read i love that word so much. right <laughs> so i'm going to read this instagram post or this and it's instagram... about death death, death positivity. positivity okay yes cool. from nurse underscore stacks says hey yeah i just wanted to comment on your mortality reality podcast Woo! i work as a palliative wow palliative pain and symptom management consultant Ooh. Whoa title she says i'm a hospice registered nurse but i also spend a great deal of my time educating and discussing dying death and bereavement Amazing. i have a blog that you may want to check out as i have some information on post-mortem options and what can be done with your body amazing right she says there are a lot of myths out there you can actually essentially to quote you rachel dig a hole and put your body in it you can do it you can do it yeah, it's called green burials, and it's legal and quite inexpensive when compared to a funeral with all the bells and whistles. Amazing! I thought it would be. I thought there'd be so many like laws and issues with just like having a right? body in the ground, but cool. yeah. So you just need to Google green burials. Okay, I'm into it. Um, she says, "I love that you're starting the conversation around this, and that is around this as it is so important." So I'm checking out her blog, which is called "The Art of Dying." amazing this is just what we need i'm so excited to check this out yeah so i was scrolling through her blog and i came across a post from august of this year august 21st and it's called is it okay to blow up grandma and i was like whoa what is this what a what a catchy title i'm intrigued is it right (laughs) right (laughs) some weird southern state thing about blowing up grandma uh, hello, lovely humans. I was listening to the radio the other day, and I heard the DJ talking about a case where, I believe it was in the States, where a man was suing because he had donated his mother's body to quote-unquote science and found out that it was used in military field testing for explosives. Nice. It got me thinking of the various ways in which we care for slash dispose of our dead, leading me to our title. Is it okay to blow a grandma up? I personally have been of the thought process that I would like to one day, hopefully after my demise, donate my body to science. 
would I be okay with them blowing up my remains? My initial thought is actually a resounding yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. She says, sidebar, when I was younger, when we spoke about dying and death, as you do as adolescent, I always said that my friends, my chosen way to go was spontaneously combust. Oh yeah, this is so cool. She's like, now I'm mature. Now I just I'm want mature, to be blown up by right? I'm still pretty okay with the thought of someone using my corpse as a glorified pinata. Amazing. I love this perspective and like the tone of this is written in. It's like exactly what we need. Right. And then, so she talks more about this and she goes on to list other ways. So she says, what are some of the other potential options for my meat suit? As she calls her body says there's always sky burial where my carcass can be left out and macerated is that a word macerated like eaten yeah by birds of prey oh my gosh that'd be terrifying to see people like going through that process like bodies i should say yeah uh there's through that right there's green burial where they could wrap me in a shroud made of natural materials dig a hole and dump me in plant wild indigenous flowers over my body and let me become the soil oh yeah that's my and then there's a website, www.greenburialcanada.ca. Oh, go and do it right now. Do it. She says, I could be mummified, spooky, I know. I bet I would look super svelte. <laughs> um, it's actually a thing. She lists, like, websites for all of these things. I could be donated to a body farm where students could learn about decomposition and study me. I think that's what I would want to do. Yeah. Body farm. It's a good option. I definitely want this green burial, that's for sure. Yeah. And then she says, I could be donated to science and become a plasticized model like the Body Works exhibits. Just some more death positive stuff because October is not the only month where we can be death positive. Yeah, it's kind of an ongoing thing. And like, you know, it's good to continue that conversation. And I think it's something that uh, there's so much to think about, so much that's evolving with time and like options and like just considering it. So it doesn't have to be so scary. We're just a meat suit with... We're just uh, a meat suit. Just a meat suit some with some choices and stress. Feelings. And stuff. Yeah. A Complicated stuff. I don't like anything. I'm going to bed now. November 13th, 2019. Like, what value is documenting this? I don't know. Are you journaling? No, I do love journaling. It's been a constant in my life. It, but also like another way of journal, like it's, I like journaling and I've said this before because it's writing the information out and it's a slower process to help you deal with your feelings. But at the same time, when you have someone to constantly talk to, like I have you or I have my best friend or I have my partner or I've got, you know, my parents who like I can always talk issues out with. That's kind of another form of journaling. I do like what that one guy who emailed us said in terms of like it's mostly factual. Yeah, because you were saying you like to do it for like thinking about it from a historical perspective. Yeah. What is the documentation of the day? Like in, in very, you know, factual terms, it doesn't have to be all these feelings and emotional statements. Exactly. So it's like, I do like that idea and I really should start making the time just to like write down, like just things about the day. I'd like to, I just think I'm like in a bad, in a bad mood and a bad state. And I'm just being like honest about it, but it's not always going to be the most groundbreaking thing. As I've said, like, it's really helped me. I think a lot of times when I'm in these states where I get like really obsessive about like what I'm doing and working really hard, but like not taking time to like have a life or like take care of myself properly. I don't document it and acknowledge it. I just like go through it. And then all of a sudden was like, 
oh, I kind of messed up how I just didn't, didn't like sleep or like eat. That, that was messed up. But like now I'm noticing it as it's happening. So I think journaling is helping. It is helping me notice, but it's not like, as I've said before, my motto with journaling is like, yeah, it helps me identify a problem, but doesn't tell me any solutions. So it's productive to a point. Like it's helpful to a point, but then I have to do the work myself. Ah, yes. The work yourself. The age old dilemma doing stuff. (laughs) Us millennials, we don't Don't like it. Don't want to do it. I guess we'll give it one more good old fashioned week. And then I guess we'll see what we're on to after that. Maybe I'll have my life together. Oh my God. Could you imagine if our lives just actually. Hey, let's manifest it. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, we're visualizing. We're manifesting. We're putting it out into the universe. We're going to journal about it. We're going to write it down. We're going to make it become reality. I am getting my life together and not putting so much pressure on myself for absolutely no reason. I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat vegetables and my skin is going to be glowing and clear. Yes, it is. I am going to get my health in check. I am also going to start exercising and I am going to start going back to my two jobs and everything is going to be great. And then we'll be in the holiday spirit and all will be merry and bright. Yes. Okay, namaste and tranquilites. Pray for us. Channel that energy and we'll all get through Mercury retrograde together. Have a namaste, namaste. Let's have a... Tranquil night, tranquil lights. Bye. Bye.